Welcome to Home Design Chat with Nancy. Are you remodeling or building your dream home? We will chat about everything from the ceilings to the floors and everything in between. So if you have any questions, you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. Today is January 28th, and this podcast is being brought to you by Premier Lighting. Well, today we have Buzz Jensen with us. We're lucky enough to have him because he's pretty well known in the Valley. And he is the systems designer with Desert Valley AV. Buzz, thanks for joining us. Nancy, my pleasure. I want to know, as a systems designer, what are you designing? The quality of life is what we're trying to help our clients with. So when somebody says, I'm going to add a TV or I want to put some music in the house or I want to have these things and I don't know what to do. I've been over to Best Buy. I've been into you know, Costco and I take a look at all these different things, but it seems like it's a whole bunch of different parts and pieces. So That was me. So uh, we get called up or I get called up when I had my own stores and people would say, what the heck am I doing? Why am I doing this? What What do I have to have? What makes this all make sense? So my idea is to meet a client at their house, find out what they have, who they are, what their lifestyle is, what they like, what they don't like. And then I ask them, okay, well, now how convenient or how, not convenient, but how current are you with what's going on around in the electronics uh, side of the world? And some people say, oh, I've been kind of keeping up with it. You know, I may have a ring doorbell or I may have something else like a a thermostat or something like that that's automated. I said, well, what we try to do is make it so that you can have everything you want and you can put it together and add on to it as you wish on one app on your phone. It operates anything you want to operate. So I help them kind of understand what the new technologies are, where our industry is going, what's happening in the future as much as we possibly can, and then create a plan for the client to come up with a way of being able to have what they want to have. And so I would assume when you walk away, your clients are very happy. They're very happy, and they're still very confused (laughs) because it's a lot of information to try to have somebody figure out what they want. What is their lifestyle? You know, would something like a, a smart thermostat or some lighting that comes on automatically at night so it looks like somebody's at home or, you know, so you don't trip over your dog when you walk into the house or having a thermostat that's automatically can get onto it so that you can come and go if you're a winter visitor and you want to turn on the air conditioning before you come home in the summertime. Those kinds of things are what we try to fill out a client with and see, okay, what of these things would kind of be cool for you in your lifestyle? Exactly. So did you ever introduce something to somebody, and then after about four weeks they said, you know, this is not working. Can we just trade this in for something else? That's actually pretty rare. Um, the idea of helping a client understand what's available and what parts of the availability that would actually turn them on to something that would be good for them is my job. And so I try to give them in, as you said, kitchen speak, uh-huh. so that they have words that they understand, even though what I have in the back of my mind is extremely technical. I just want to make it so that I can say, this will do this for you when you have this particular situation. So I do a lot of storytelling. And those storytellings will give a client some ideas of what would work and what wouldn't work in their Do you system. actually have to spend a couple of hours with the client so you can see their lifestyle? And maybe they forgot to tell you that they have high windows and there's no way of reaching the shades and you can automate it. And you have to kind of drag it out of them? Yeah, we definitely have to drag it out of them. Because without their 
it, it's it's not. I don't know what I don't know, mm-hmm. and so I have to say, okay, well, did you know you could do this? Oh, I didn't know I could do that. Now, what would I want with that? Well, that's when I tell them a story. You know, for instance, having. Uh, uh, a camera at the door of one form or another, uh, having an automated door lock, having a security system that you can turn on and off all by one app on your phone. Well, let's say, for instance, UPS comes to the house and they ring your doorbell. Oh, it pops up on your phone. Oh, I got the UPS guy there. He's got a big package he wants to leave behind, and you're kind of nervous because uh, things get stolen a lot. So he said, hang on just a second. You can unlock the door with your phone. You can turn off the security system with your phone. Watch him put the package inside. As soon as he leaves, you lock everything up. And you weren't even home. Oh, and you weren't home when this happened. You weren't even home. You were in on a cruise ship somewhere. So how do we know he's really from UPS? Well, if he has a UPS uh, thing on and he has a big package in his hand, you have to kind of guess that he's from UPS. You hope. You, you hope. hope. Do you find a lot of people are more skeptical than they used to be? Skeptical of what? Um, scams, uh, people who really aren't who they say they are. I, I'm just wondering if this UPS guy is really from UPS. Um, I mean, I don't we, have any questions we like were that talking, from my client. Well, we were talking before about being hacked. Mm-hmm. And I think people are so leery about automation, about who's going to know more information about them than they really want to. At what point do they say, well, okay, we can do this for you and and you can't get hacked on this, or this is safe and secure, and nobody's going to be listening into your conversations. Does that ever happen? Oh, yeah, every once in a while, especially with voice activated becoming more and more of a big thing for a lot of our clients. Uh, they're wondering, you know, is Alexa listening? Is Siri listening to everything I'm doing, whether it's good or bad? And what happens if they are, or what happens if... If Google gets hacked and all of a sudden your words are being broadcast into some situation that would be a compromise for you, people are concerned about that. But so far, Google and uh, Apple and the rest of the companies have been working very, very diligently to make sure that that's not happening, and that's what they tell us. So all Let's we can hope do at this point the truth. is assuming it, yes. Yeah. So um, talking about voice recognition, let's um, kind of break down the Alexa with the home Google. And Are they all the same? Their goals are pretty much the same. They're coming up with different ways of being able to do it. But the idea is, is how do you say something to your phone or to your system or to a little thing that's on the wall or on your counter and have it understand what you want to do? In other words, a lot of times you know, my wife says, uh, uh, Siri, set the timer for a half an hour. Well, that's great. Or, hey, can you play some classical music? Well, that's great. Uh, now we're getting into these things so that uh, the automation companies and the voice activation companies are getting together, and they're trying to come up with ways that make it really convenient for people to operate their house uh, by voice. Uh, I've got several different clients. Uh, some of them have uh, things that make it very dic- difficult for them to use their fingers or but they can use their voice, and mm-hmm. I can have them so they can turn on lights. They can go ahead and um, be able to turn on the television or turn the music up and turn it down by voice. And we've done several of those, but now I've got quite a few clients that says, I'd love to do it by my voice. And so that's becoming a very big deal now. So when we say voice, we can say, okay, turn on the TV, turn on the oven, uh, turn the heat up. 
What mm-hmm. Can you say lock the door? You can say lock the door. You can say turn up the family room thermostat by three degrees. You can say turn on the kitchen lights at uh, 60%. You can say, you know, good night. And then the systems would go into a good night mode that might drop down the shades. It might turn off the lights. It might set to nighttime uh, settings, you know, for thermostats and anything else that's left on in the house would automatically be powered down. So how do you get this installed in your house? It's not something where you just go on Amazon. You go to um, and get an Amazon Alexa. You sit it on the countertop and you go, okay, now I'm ready. Do you have to do anything else? Ooh, a couple of things. Number one, you have to buy the parts and pieces that's going to actually do the work. So you have to buy a thermostat that it can understand that. You can have to buy light switches that it understands that or door locks or security So everything system. you buy, which can be parted, you can buy them individually, mm-hmm. has to be compatible with Alexa. Would have to be compatible with whatever system you're but using. We, so if you get a Google Home voice-activated unit, then all of your items have to be Google owned or Google mm-hmm. sold or, or something you can't they would mix talk to. a Google with an Amazon. Right. They're, they're just not getting along right now. I've heard that. No, I mean, will they ever? <laughs> Who knows? So they're two giants that are so definitely is, going after the same client. Is everything available on Google also the same thing available on Amazon? Or it's getting to be more and more like that. Again, the, the idea is that they both want to have the ability to be able to sell products. And by having your voice activate things or having uh, like a Nest thermostat or a, uh, a ring door station or some type of camera systems that are all Wi-Fi, uh, a lot of those things are what they're trying to work with. And how do they go ahead and make it behave so it becomes not a pain in the butt for the owner to operate all these different things. So when you say you had a Google Home system and then you got some appliances that were compatible with Amazon, then you have to go get an Amazon voice unit, right? Yes. So you can have all these people, all these different companies with these little different gizmos in your house. I think that a lot of the manufacturers are starting to figure out that they're going to have to have it so that they have each one of those built in. So if they want to use something from Google, they want to use something from Apple, if they want to use something from another company, they're going to have a way of being able to say, okay, they put enough intelligence inside each of these different devices so that if you choose one or the next or the next or the next, it would still all be able to operate that product. That makes sense. Um, Let's talk about apps because if you have tons of apps on your phone, I just was in a situation where I was looking for one of my apps through the 100 that I have. If you had a Google and Alexa, you can get very confused if you're a little elderly and talk to the wrong thing. Oh, yes. I mean, if you have an uh, an Apple phone, you're going to be using Apple apps. If you're having a Droid phone, you're going to be using uh, Google apps. So those apps are all there. Um, And what's happening is that we feel, at least I do personally, think that apps is what's going to be running almost everything we do in our lifetime. As we have more maturity in these apps and being able to do more things for us by either touching or talking or some type of an intuitive situation that we'll know what's going on. I mean, just take a look at what's going to be happening in the next 10 years on cars. I mean, the apps on a car for a car to be called up to your front door, you jump into it, you drive it to some place, and the car disappears, and it goes to somebody else, and they pick it up, and they use that car. And being able to have apps on those cars to be able to do it, or apps on your phone, or apps on your TV, or apps on these all these different apps are where we're going in our industry. 
Okay, now that you've boggled my mind, let's switch over to a question that I had, (laughs) (laughs) which is really simple. (laughs) I understand that you went to Cedia, and and you probably came away with a lot of information, but for those who don't understand, would you explain what Cedia is? Cedia is an organization of audio and video dealers worldwide. They've got, as far as I remember the last time I was uh, involved with that, they had 27,000 people who were uh, in the organization as far as dealerships and individuals. I think at this point now there's probably closer to 100,000 people worldwide that has uh, CEDIA as part of their idea. CEDIA stands for Custom Electronics and Design and Industry Association. So it's designed for the electronics expert to understand how the systems work, how to have, uh, operate a business, how to be successful at this business. So they do a lot of training classes. They have huge displays where it takes up, you know, 100,000 or 200 or 300,000 square feet of displays of Sony and Samsung and uh, all these other huge manufacturers have massive booths and they have all these training things that they show us all the stuff that's coming up in the next year. So it's a great organization for us. We all used to be part of CES, which is Consumer Electronics Show. But CES is 130,000 people that show up to that show every year in January in Las Vegas. It made it almost impossible for just us little guys doing audio, video, and electronics and automation to be able to get around. So that's why we formed CEDIA about 27 or 28 years ago. And your part in forming CEDIA was? I'm one of the founding members. Well, there were 75 of us that started the big, uh, the, at the beginning. And uh, I'm very proud to say that I've been on the board of CEDIA for a while. And, and uh, it's, it, it's a wonderful organization. They just have worked very hard to make that right. Well, on that note, I'm going to take two minutes to talk about our sponsor, Premier Lighting, because if I don't, they won't be very happy. They have so many fixtures in their showroom, and I just found out that they have a new line of fans that actually is controlled by an app. Isn't that funny? This um, this particular fan uh, company has a, it's called Hydra. It's a fan that's 120 inches tip to tip. It'd be perfect if you had a high ceiling and a very large room and you wanted to cool it down. It also has the ability to have LED lights. You can have the light kit or no light kit. So I thought that was amazing, and Shop Premier, well, their show their uh, showroom is in Scottsdale, and they do have a lot of fans by this fan company, and I'm looking for the name now, and I just can't find it, but I will tell it to you in a second. Uh, here it is. It's the um, Modern Forms Fan Company. They have come out with some really interesting fans, and Premier Lighting in Scottsdale has a lot of them on display. So I suggest that you stop by if you live in the Arizona area, or if you want to go on their website, it's shoppremier.com. And that is shop, S-H-O-P-P-R-E-M-I-E-R.com. So take a minute to go through their showroom and online or in person, and they'd be very happy to help you. And you can tell them that you heard this commercial about that fan. Right, Buzz? Another app. (laughs) 
So when you went to uh, Cedia, which is not open to the public or open to Cedia the public? Cedia is not open to the public. It's designed to help us become better business people and be able to learn better ways of doing things for our clients. Oh, where is it held? San Diego? The last two times were in San Diego. Uh, the time before that was in Denver. Uh, then sometimes it's in Texas, sometimes it's back east. They move it from area to area. Okay. Well, CES is not open to the public either, is it? No. So do you have about the same type of of uh, new um, projects? or um, is Do you have things at CEDIA that you won't find at CES? Yes. Really? Like what? Well, a lot of the things that CEDIA, since most of these manufacturers have pulled out of CES because it doesn't help them to be able to be at both organizations, because both of these organizations are very expensive for the manufacturers to set up. Mm, I'm sure. It costs them several, I mean, tens and thousands of dollars to go ahead and put booths together and man it and, and then pay for the space and the advertising and everything else that they do. So CEDIA has now become the premier area for the audio, video, electronics, and automation industry. The CES is still great for cars and it's great for all kinds of things, for electronics and watches and all kinds of things like that. But uh, very, very rarely does any of the manufacturers show there that has to do with a home electronics. So how many days did you spend at Cedia? Three days. And in those three days, what was the best, best thing that you found there that you would love to share with your clients? Voice activation is becoming a big, big buzzword in Cedia, and the idea of how we can make things a little bit simpler for clients. The problem is, is a lot of my clients are in their 60s, or 70s, 80s. Some of them are in their 50s. But a lot of these people don't quite understand all the cool things that are available to them. And so a lot of the things we learn about in Cedia is how to go ahead and find out what is the coolest new things coming out? I mean, Sony televisions, for instance, have been just kicking it right on. They've, uh, uh, they've, they've, they've invented so many different things because Sony is mostly an engineering company, much more than they are just a TV company. So they've invented ultra-high definition, which some people call 4K. Mm-hmm. Uh, mathematically, it's almost 4K, but it's not quite. And now uh, the industry for the cable industry, the, the direct TV and dish net industry and the computer industry and the phone industry, uh, last not this past December, but the December 4, finally adopted a plan on how they're going to be able to put everything together so that it's all cohesive in manufacturing and transmission. So you'll start to see a lot of ultra-high-definition content coming out on Cox Cable, on the satellite, uh, movies have been using 4K for years and years and years, and now finally the video industry for the TV industry is going to catch up. And having your phone and your TV and your computer all be able to operate off the same kind of a f- uh, format is going to be just absolutely fabulous. And when do you think this is going to come to fruition? Oh, it's coming right now. Oh, it's available. Uh, well, we do a lot of ultra-high definition. Uh, eventually, we're expecting that cable boxes are going to go away. Satellite boxes are going to go away. The satellite dish is going to go away. Everything is going to go online. And that's why Cox and CenturyLink and Verizon and a lot of other companies are really working their tails off to try to get super high-speed Internet to the house. Well, that's great because now you can get, you know, 
40 megs or 100 megs download, which is more than enough to go ahead and take care of a family of six, and everybody's on their phone, everybody's you know, downloading music off of their apps or downloading Netflix off of their apps and all these different things all coming through the Internet. So eventually the cable boxes won't be needed because most everything that's in 4K right now is on the Internet. Amazing. So what is the second best thing you saw there? Since uh, we, the public, are not allowed to be there, we're kind of curious. A lot of the things that has to do with how to get better clarity uh, music-wise and video-wise, these new ultra-high-definition TVs have gotten so clear. People say, well, how far back should I sit from a 75-inch TV or a 65- or 55-inch TV? And I said, well, it's like almost like saying, how close should I stand to that window looking out at my backyard? Well, I always heard there was a rule of thumb. It was, there was. 75 plus 35. Well, that was One a, a long times. time ago. Yeah. So, so now you can sit closer? Now you can stand. In fact, actually, um, my TV in my family room is an ultra-high-definition TV. Uh, my wife, Carrie, and I sit back at about, oh, 15, 16 feet. Uh, but my TV is 133 inches. Oh, just an average size. Just a little bit larger than average size. And... The, I, I have people coming over for Super Bowl, as I have had for the last several years. And one of my friends came over and says, that is absolutely scary, good, clear. And a lot of the things that with the ultra-high definition being able to broadcast, even regular television at this point, is just really phenomenal. Now they're talking about trying to come up with 8K. And that's going to, who knows why, because I tell you what, Really large picture with ultra high definition, and like 133 is considered pretty doggone large. I would say gives you literally like looking out a window. It's that clear, and that's one. That's the idea that what CDO was showing was how to make these things really, really clear, and then how to make a room sound good because that's another problem right. that we have with a lot of our clients as they're aging. Our ears just don't pick up the sound as well as it used to, and TV speakers are down to the point where they. Excuse me for saying this. Suck. But, They're terrible. But wait. So, how many 60- or 70-year-old people do you know have 133-inch TVs? Well, let's say, for instance, you have a 55-inch TV, and it's hanging on the wall or it's sitting on a stand. And you and your wife are sitting there, your your husband are sitting there, and one of the two of you is saying, what did he say? What did he say? All the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, the reason is is because the sound of the TV speakers has gotten so poor because there's just no real estate for large speakers on right. those TVs. So speaker bars have come out. And then having uh, some of our clients that have homes that have uh, good-sized rooms, let's say 10 or 12-foot ceilings and the hard surface floors is one of the biggest problems that we have because as we age, we can't filter out the echoes very well. So when somebody's talking to you directly and you hear a lot of the echo in the room, especially from TV, then that's where you get that, what did you say? So... A lot of the things that we're trying to come up with in our industry is how to make it so that it's real easy to understand words in any kind of a situation, even in a large room that's very echoey. Mm-hmm. And so there's some cool things that they've done now that makes it a whole lot easier. So how does that sound bar work? The sound bars work depending on what kind of quality of sound bar, because you've got sound bars that are $99, mm-hmm. and you have sound bars that are $5,000. Depending on what the client's goal is and how large the room is, 
and how the acoustics are in the room. And that's where my experience helps a little bit because I can go ahead and go into a room. I can hear what the room sounds like. And people say, well, what should I do? And I, and I, and I know what works. And I had two retail stores here in the Valley for many years, and we did several thousands of homes and wiring, et cetera. And we found out that what we hear in our showroom is totally different than what we hear in our house. The exact same speaker. You take it out of the showroom, take it in the house, because the acoustics of the house is so different than what our showroom is. Right. That a speaker that was very bright in the showroom sounds kind of quiet and nice. You put that speaker in somebody's house that has a lot of hard surface walls, oh, it becomes harsh. This is where a lot of our clients say, oh, when I turn it up, I, I can I hardly stand in the room. And my wife is yelling at me. And so we try to figure out how do we go ahead and make it sound really good at low volumes so everybody's happy. Wow, that sounds like we need you, you know, as soon as somebody buys a TV and they put it in the room. Well, can do you sell TVs? Oh, we sell everything. We, we, we should we talk are, a little bit about what you can do for the person who just either decided to get a new sound system or they just moved into their house and they want something real slick. Well, here's the deal. If you're moving into a new house or you decide that you want to remodel a house, then what you might want to think of is, what am I going to do? How's it going to look? How do I want to make it so that it's going to be great for the whole family? Well, you call us, and what I do is come out and say things with my coat hearts in my industry and come out and take a look at it and say, okay, well, here's some ideas. You can do this or you can do this you can do this. Which one of those would, oh, hey, that's a great idea. I was at an Awatuki a little bit ago, and I was talking to a client, and he says, well, I've got all this all this electronics here, and I'm looking to find out how I can hide it. And I said, I tell you what, you have these niches? Let's just fill in the walls and the niches so that it's flush in the front. We're going to go ahead and put the electronics behind the TV that's on a swivel mount. So when the swivel mount is closed, you don't see the opening where all the electronics is, and we can hide all the stuff behind the TV set, including the bass speaker. And he said sold. It's exactly what it was. He says this is the greatest idea because I'm trying to come up with a game plan on how to make this thing sound good and work well. Is it better to hang a TV on a wall or to have it on a shelf? I think hanging a TV on a wall, especially in a bedroom, it makes a lot of sense because I like to put TVs a little higher in a bedroom because that way you don't have to prop yourself up so high. There's some ideas of how high a TV should be depending on how you lounge. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting in a straight chair, you want the TV lower. If you're kind of one of those people like me that kind of lays way back on the couch, having the TV a little higher just makes it more comfortable because you're not having to look down at it. Hmm. Do they still have those curved TVs? Or oh, yes. Are those... The curved TVs are still out there. Uh, there's a lot of people who are very infatuated with a curved TV until they got it home and they have a lot of windows, and all of a sudden they get a lot of reflection because it's picking up from several different angles. Uh, I've had people that have taken them back. I have only sold one curved television because I've really recommended my clients that in a lot of cases a curved TV is not their best interest. And there's no mathematical equation that shows that it's any better. Yeah, it's just a gimmicky thing. So you do music, too. Right? Oh, I love music. Do you think that the uh, 33 and a third vinyls are going to come back? Oh, it is. In fact, actually, one of my clients' son was uh, playing with the idea of uh, buying a record press. You know, one of those old record presses they used to make records out right. of. He is now the largest dealer of super high-quality records in the country. He took a little hobby and made it into a very, very nice business. Oh so God. we're selling turntables. We're selling phone cartridges. And we're, you know, we're hooking them back in because I tell you what, when the day was when we used to just sit back and listen to music and we would put on a, a, a record, 
and just play it, and even with the ticks and pops, it just had that magical sound. You did have a lot of crackle, I know. I have a lot of vinyl that I'm thinking, should I get rid of it? Should I give it away? Should I sell it? I thought it was a thing of the past. I didn't know that uh, it's now resurging. It is. Good to know. So do you have any other super-duper things that you saw at CD that you'd like to share? Otherwise, I know you have to get to your next appointment. We, you know, there was a lot of odds and ends or just really kind of clever little things. It's really hard for me to say that, you know, that would be a benefit to any of the listeners at this point. Uh, and again, it depends on what you're going to do. There's one manufacturer there that uh, uh, has made, uh, you know, the pull strings on, on the, uh, like, duet blinds that roll up and roll down. Mm-hmm. You know, you pull on the cords, et cetera. They made right. an automated thing that is using the sun to charge a battery in this thing. And you go ahead on your phone, another app, uh, to go ahead and open and close the drapes. And you can actually set it up. And you don't have to have anything powered-wise because it's right there. That's, that's a good safety a, thing because, that's a cool thing. yeah, so many kids have, I don't know how, but they put it around their neck. That's not a good thing at all. So, so anyway, for, for us at Desert Valley, uh, we are full service. We do all the low voltage of anything. We sell the products. We design the products. We install the products. We do long-term service after the fact. We're now a high-voltage contractor, so if somebody needs to have electrical done at the house, we can take care of all that at the same time. So we just try to make it so that we can have as many different tools in our bag that will help a client. That's great. So if somebody didn't buy a TV through you, they're having problems and they'd like to add some speakers, could they still call you? Absolutely. We, we, we not sell everybody something. But we can sure help them understand more about what they can do, even if they go back to Costco and buy it, Best Buy. <laughs> That's great. Well, I want to say uh, one thing before you go, and this is about apps. Um, I'm hoping that we get more people listening to these podcasts, and you could actually get an app and put it on your phone. Another app. You can get an Android app. And you can get a Google app, whatever. You can download it on your phone, go into search, put in Home Design Chat with Nancy. Then you subscribe, and you can have these podcasts to listen to, which I think are very interesting. They are. I know. It's a great way of learning something, and especially if you're driving along, and if you can have your phone that you're playing the sound off of this as you're driving along, as long as you're safe, of course. Of course. It's a great way of learning things. I think so. And I think these podcasts are fun, and I know you're going to come back and do another one as soon as we figure out what we're doing with TVs right now. I'm not that intuitive, but I will try. Nancy, it's actually been a pleasure being here. Thanks very much for inviting me. Well, thank you, Buzz. Thanks for stopping by and tell Justin I said hi. And I hope everybody has a great day and come back and listen to our next podcast. (laughs) 